Mr. B. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of View Me and Ice Tea. This is the next to the last episode before we break for the winter holidays. So I hope you guys enjoy this uh, as much as I do. We're going to today we're getting into the wonderful world of editing, editing. <laughs> now, I say that sarcastically and Richard will definitely back me up there that for authors in general, editing is anything but whimsical. It's actually very annoying. <laughs> the fact that we actually have to do editing. I'm quite surprised not to see Lene here right now because this was kind of her bag, you know, to to do this to do this whole editing episode. She suggested that we do this in actually two parts. Um, so we'll get the ball rolling today and see if she she shows up to join us. If not, I guess we'll carry on with her next week so that she can give us some more, you know, insights into the world of an editor. But for, I guess we'll talk about it today from our perspective. Because <laughs> Richard and I have both wrote a number of books. Um, Richard, why don't you tell everybody about your novels? Yeah, uh, okay, good afternoon, everyone. Um, yeah, I've written 23 novels um and a couple of books of short stories um and uh, i have an editor um who's very good we've worked together for 10 years now um and i appreciate her input yes that's but it, and and how many drafts on average do you have to go through with your editor i mean uh, per book do you, do you do you have to go through a lot or are you a, the kind of writer that really writes without making loads of mistakes? Um, I, I self-edit myself quite a bit while I'm writing, um, and my editor has two or three, two or three looks at it um, at various stages in the process. Really, um, mm -hmm. the first the first look is more of a discussion about the plot um, and where the book's going um, okay. before. We onto the grammar and, and all that sort of thing, which is generally reserved for the final sort of round of editing. Mm -hmm. So I guess, I guess Lene would call that bit the developmental editing yeah. side of things, right? I mean, that would be so, the difference yeah. between developmental editing and line editing. What's, what's the difference? Do you, do you, can you tell us? Um, I think really when you're looking at developmental, you're, you're looking at the story as a whole. So you're looking to see if it makes sense, if it's attractive mm -hmm. to a reader, uh, if there's any glaring errors or omissions in the plot. Um, I also like to look at the research aspect as well, if, if I'm basing it around a real place or a real event, to make sure right. that there's no, um, no discrepancy there. So, um, for instance, if I have people travelling around the place, um, I want to make sure that the, the times they use are realistic so you're not going from London to Edinburgh in two minutes or, or that sort of thing um, no, and that right. I think is more developmental um, which you need to do before you actually start worrying whether everything's spelled correctly. Yes absolutely I think that is most definitely the most critical kind of editing although line editing and that would include the grammar mistakes and spelling and you know basically the what I, I call the mechanics, the nuts and bolts, you know, of the book. I mean, <laughs> I know it's a boring subject. And even when I talk to kids 
at schools about writing, I'm like, you know, I know that grammar is not fun. I know spelling is not fun. I know it's really, you think it's not cool and it's really boring. But the problem is, is that when you write a really nice story, as soon as someone sees a glaring grammar mistake or spelling mistake, they're dropped right out of the magic at that yeah. moment. Yeah, the magic is gone and they have to regroup themselves and go, wait a minute, that's a horrible grammar mistake you just saw. <laughs> yeah, right. it flow, you're absolutely correct. Um, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter how, how many books you've written or how much you've written, there's, there's always something, there's always some little error that creeps in um, and exactly. no book's perfect, but you try and get the, the errors down to an acceptable level and certainly make sure there's not one on the first page. Exactly. Oh my God. I've literally had that happen. Not not at the final draft, but I've I've caught it at the last second. You know, yeah. I mean that was that's nail biting, you know, to catch it on the very last draft, you know, a glaring spelling mistake on the first page. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can think of something worse and then the first page, a spelling mistake on this part, you know, the back yeah. the back matter. Yeah. That's happened yeah. to me before. <laughs> yeah, that involves that involves an incredible amount of work then to get the whole the whole cover redone. Sure, it really and truly is. Thank you. That's what I wanted to really get across is that this to produce something like this, you know, a novel. The the it looks like something easy, you know. I mean, you can go through it and read this maybe in a couple of days, but I mean that doesn't mean it didn't take a like you know, eight months or so out of my life and more, yeah. like six or seven months after that to include the editing part of it, you know? I mean, which oh, sure, was yeah. considerable. On each one of them is considerable. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's a, lot of, a lot more work goes on, I think, than, than a lot of people realize. Um, yeah. And the trick, of course, is to make it look simple. But the, the actuality is that it's a lot harder than that. True that, absolutely. It sure is. Hey, Mr. B, I'm glad to see you on on today's show. So good to see your face. Thank you, thank you. And I was here, and I I hit a button, and I was like, you know, we have a good habit of not hitting that button, but you took it right off the bat from my mistakenly starting the um, the recording, and I thought it. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes in life you can't edit out everything you know you just have to go with it <laughs> speaking of editing right. <laughs> <laughs> so since you can't edit out everything in life you do go with it and um you just swallow it as it were some of the things um from a i mean i think i have an okay vocabulary and i do have a lot of help when i want to do grammatical checking or consistency flow of thought but I like to see, and I know there is, a lot of additional things in a book we don't um, always think about when we just pick up a book, like the word repagination. You know, when people are reading, it's really nice to get a new idea onto a new page, you know, and so mm -hmm. it, leave it, or we always call the widows and orphan hangings and those type of things, not to have them in books. Um, mm -hmm. In newspaper articles online, I think they go so fast nowadays. I see sometimes a, a double word and your spell check is never going to pick up when you have two words. Absolutely. I mean, not. nowadays, I think my other my latest computer is doing this, asking me, why do I why do I want both words? So they'll underline it in green or something on a computer. Right. 
But if you have two very well spelled words sometimes sitting right next to each other, they may get away with it. <laughs> and, you know, and it, <laughs> this, this writer, what is, what is he trying to write when he put two of the same words successively and you knew it was wrong, right? And Absolutely. all these editing things are there. Um, I'm not sure if you noticed, I noticed in, in, in the book, a lot of um, some other books, little, um, I don't know what to call it. It's not emojis, but they're little waves and dashes and, and, and dots and things that kind of decorate the book to look at, make it look kind of, in my book, I had it. I have orange underlines underneath the number. And I have really? some classy swirls. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> you right, didn't well, I mean... notice my orange underlines? <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that you mention it, yes, I did notice that. And I was wondering what that was about, honestly. Yeah, it's, and I mean, you're putting, just emphasizing a word. Yeah, that's, would, you know, this one was my brand. My brand colors were, were sweeping through the book and putting it mm -hmm. in the appropriate places. So the same orange on the book cover and a hardcover and black on the outside with orange on the right. sleeve. So, uh, the, so that was your color scheme, I get yeah, it. Yeah, the whole color scheme is a form okay. of thing for a book that that kind of goes from a beautification perspective if you wanted that, you know, as right. times when it's not necessary. Right. Well, you know, here's the thing. There's not really, in terms of, you know, beautification, there's really no rules, you know, in terms of that, especially for us, for a, a book that you're reading like yours. I mean, that would be something to improve yourself, to improve your perspective on life and everything. I right. mean, it's motivational. It's, you know, it should be, it should have its own particular brand image. I think that that's probably really smart, <laughs> well, you know, to do did. that. That's what we did, yes. You know, right. make sure the fonts, we made sure the fonts were right, the spacing. I called on purpose for the spacing because I said, well, I'm older and I can't see those little tiny prints. So I don't want a book with little tiny prints. So it's a form yeah. of editing where you said you're not going to have um, some places have little tiny prints and some places um, have larger and, um, I can't abide by the tiny prints either. Right. I mean, those of us at our age group, thank you for that. <laughs> thank you. And I have a <laughs> section. driving his glasses. Like, yeah, we, we salute you. <laughs> and there, there is a section with a storyboard of pictures in my book where um, the printer wanted to lay them out where they're all clustered. I was like, no, we need white space. It's a storyboard and it's telling a story with the pictures of a successive story into adulthood. And so if you do something like that, the person would like to sit and read the description on the pictures and see what the story is saying. So also don't clutter it in such a way, make more paper, make more pages, and, you know, and if it's costing more, then let it be because it's part of the whole theme of the book, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And so all of those things, sorry. Yeah. So white space is, is very important. It helps it helps yeah. the reader as well because they don't feel quite so cluttered in their own mind when they're trying to uh, trying to decipher it all. So it's it's a good thing to have. Right, because it Absolutely. creates a kind of a pause space. So there's like you said, it makes them um, regurgitate the thought of what they just read and the ideas around it. Clutter distracts people and it makes them reject the whole idea and they wouldn't want to continue after a few pages. And so Absolutely. why we're saying this and why it matters is, is the whole formatting is not just the letters or the words. I mean, I can talk to my computer and it knows how to make spaces and everything and correct words. 
but a whole format right. goes into the words and the white spaces and the inside and the outside yes and the, yep. everything that you want to make so up. it's more than just correcting the words it's yeah, a it's a yeah. matter of consistency and the whole look of the page as well i mean that's also part of an editor's responsibility or it could be you know depending <laughs> on the book i suppose right now, yeah i'd like yeah. to get you guys's perspective on um on you know we have the phrase for a long time, you can't judge a book by its cover. So how do you guys approach your cover editing, picture editing and presentation editing based on what we are supposed to expect in the book? Well, I mean, I, oh gosh, you know, this has always been tricky for me. Richard may have more experience than I, but I mean, I've had to change, I've changed this cover like three times for the Hakima's Tale. I think I finally got it right. I really did. I mean, now I'm very happy with it, with the genie eyes at the top and a woman on her magic carpet flying away underneath howling wolves and a, a genie's smoke coming out of a lantern. I mean, that would probably give you, it gives you some elements of the story without giving away the story <laughs> itself. I mean, that's, you just have to hit that balance somehow, you know, right. a few elements in the story without giving it away. Would you agree, Richard? I, I would very much, yeah. With Cover design is, uh, is a tricky sort of thing. I, I must admit, I do my own designs. My wife helps considerably. She's got a, an eye for art and an I'm eye lucky. for a good pitching. <laughs> yeah, she's fantastic. That's in-house. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and I mean, I, I do change my covers, you know, if I think something's not working. Um, I try and get an element of the story. What I actually do is start on the cover design while I'm writing the book um, because I can see the key elements. I can see the... You do the, that the, too? The, I also do that. I start um, working out what the cover's going to look like. Yeah, and I, I think it works It works both ways as well because I, I'll write the book and I'll get an idea for a cover. And like the cover I've got up here behind me, that will prompt me then to have other ideas. Um, and the things right. work off each other. So in, in effect, the the cover gives you a clue. And I think now, is Where's Lizzie, is, has that been released yet? No. Where's Lizzie, uh, the book that's... It's, it's written. Um, my editor has, has actually done the developmental um, part of it, and I actually got okay. it back um, just a couple of days ago. I've, I've started to go through it, but obviously I'm taking a few days off to see family in bits and pieces. Um, she's got some good thoughts on the plot. She loved the plot. She said it was a chilling tale, um, which is Ooh. great, which is what I wanted. Um, all I've got to do now is sort of uh, finesse it, I suppose. Um, the cover indicates sort of don't look for me, I think, which mm. or don't find me, um, which is what I wanted. And that, that doesn't give the story away, but it gives you a clue as to what might be happening. Um, and I think right. it's important that, that the cover leads you into the book. Um, okay. Is it a missing teenager? Am I right? It's, it's a, a child is kidnapped. Um, ah, but right. the, pe the, the, the parents of the child never hear from the kidnapper and they don't Whoa. know, they don't know why Sorry. the child has gone um, yeah. until much later in the story and mm. there's a whole load of family secrets um, and things to come out but the father mm. of the child initially has absolutely no idea why it's happening to him. Um, wow. In the act of kidnapping the daughter, his wife uh, is injured and loses her memory so she can't tell him anything that's going on and it's left to him to try and piece together what's happening 
Um, okay. Takes him a while. Um, I don't want to give too much away, obviously. No, but, no, don't. But that's where we are at the moment. Um, after Christmas, I really want to read that one. I'll that sounds intriguing. Then there'll be some beta reads available probably at the end of January, which is another part of the editing process, um, which is free. Because you brought that up. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, basically, for those that don't know, a beta reader is is someone who takes uh, an unfinished novel and reads and comments on it. So they they may do a full edit. They may look for spelling mistakes. They may look for errors in the plot, or they may just say, yeah, I liked it, or actually I didn't like it. But they're a yeah. very valuable part of the whole process, I think. No, yes, I think it's it's a crucial part of the process to have beta readers. Yeah. It's so hard to find them, though, isn't it? Do you um, have a hard yeah, time I've, finding I've, them? I've got about 10 or 12, I suppose, who've been with me for a long time. You've done incredibly uh, well I, to I, have I trust, that man. I trust their opinions implicitly. If they tell me something's not working, then it, it's not working. Um, they're great. They're a fantastic bunch of people. And I know they're all waiting for Where's Lizzie. So uh, when, the, when the, the holidays are over, I've, I've got to crack on with it um, because they, they keep sending me emails saying, where is it? So, you know. You must teach me how you did that, how you rounded up 10 people uh, to be to be beta readers and they're waiting for your, your next novel. You must yeah, teach I, me I, how that happened. I mean, this so is, I this is work that out for myself. It's, it's taken me 10 years and I did have more, but people have fallen by the wayside and, and others have joined in since. So I'm down to this, this core of people. Um, and like I said, they're, they're great. And I, I, I appreciate every every effort they put in because they put in a lot of work effectively reading and commenting and some of them yeah. will send me pages of notes some of them will just say two or three lines that's fair enough it's it, everything is appreciated you know exactly all feedback is appreciated for the yeah. buchanan bastard i got several i i was lucky to have much much more beta reads going on for the buchanan yeah. and i, I think i, I got this cover really right this time too i'm very happy yeah. good thank you yeah. this one is probably uh, reach more success because of the cover. So I think there the you you can judge a book by its cover, Mr. B. In the book world, you absolutely <laughs> people do every single day. They judge a book by yeah. its cover. The trouble is, people now, thanks to the, to the internet and Facebook and things like that, have got a very short attention span. So you've got to grab them straight away to make them stop scrolling. Um, exactly. And the only really way, yes. the only way you can do that is with a cover that. that makes them jump and say, whoa, stop, stop scrolling and oh. let's check that out, yeah. <laughs> so, so very true, absolutely. Now, I think that the, yeah, the, what I see totally happening is that, you know, writers have, we're on the creative side of things and the editors are more, they're the kind of people that like order in the world. You know, a good editor is someone who likes things to be organized in a certain way. And it really bothers them when it gets out of, something's out of sync, you know? <laughs> That's why I'm so, I'm actually quite sad to see that Lene did not come to this episode <laughs> because I was kind of waiting on her zany, you know, input about yeah. that because she truly is a very good editor. She was oh, the yeah, editor for the book. Yeah. She has, I know she's yeah. seen some of your stuff as well, but and she's very really good. Comments, good. Very, very insightful. And I'm very grateful very for insightful. it. Sure. Well, she started off being a voracious reader. I think a good editor starts as a voracious reader. 
and yeah. they just they go through books like gangbusters and they really can tell if there's a sentence or a phrase or some logic some flaw in the logic that drops them out of the story right away and she's she's also been very good to do that for me as well and it's always been so valuable for my novels she's done that on several of them so yeah. but yeah what about editor have you ever had an editor though that has been kind of thrown you off so much that you felt like maybe you're not a great writer have you questioned your ability after a, an editor has gotten through with you no I, I haven't personally but i know i know of people who've who've had editors that have tried to rewrite the story for them in their own way um yeah and then it, it stops becoming it stops being my story it's, it's almost like they're frustrated authors in a way. Um, yes. I've had the same editor for 10 years. Um, I auditioned two or three of them with a sample chapter of one of my books to see which That's one was, an was the best fit. Oh, I like uh, that. Yeah, auditioning and, an editor. Clever. Yeah, and, and this, this one, <laughs> this particular lady was the best fit. She seemed to get my style of writing and she seemed to understand what I was trying to do. So I, I sort of... Um, decided that I'd stick with her, and as long as she doesn't retire before me, then everything <laughs> is good. You know, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's such a great idea too. I never thought of auditioning an editor, but that is a very wonderful tip. You know, for all of you would-be writers out there, you know, you do need to audition your editor. Good so, idea. Yeah. I mean, good after thing. all, so I didn't know any better. No one told me, but I interviewed three different people before I chose the one. And uh -huh. the, the one that I chose made me cry. Why? It what was, happened? It was the conversation. The way the conversation was going, it says that the person was listening. And you need someone to edit your book who is listening to the impetus with which you're taking on this project. You're not doing it to feed them, fund them, or create a living for them. You have a different goal. And every, probably Richard also has every book is a different goal. And if they can hear the goal and get the sense of it, then they should be the editor. Really? Yes, you know? that, that is a good point. But yeah, why did but why did you get upset about that? No, not upset, emotional, because you're you're starting to tell the story. You remember that old song, um, Telling My Life with a Song? Yes, <laughs> yes. And so if you're telling your telling life... Telling me softly... Killing me yes. softly with a song, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you know, yeah. it's, it's sometimes the kind of book I was writing was bringing out things in my life that could be very emotional and times when by can be very painful, that kind yes. of thing. So if you have your deep-seated emotions coming out in the book, you don't want someone to be not understanding what you're doing, not appreciating exactly. what you're doing and trying to edit it differently than what your emotions are because those are where words matter. And if they were to yeah. substitute the word or, or take out the pausing and the, the clarity, then you may get right. a different emotion. And and so this person was yeah. sticking with her also in Dubai, you know, and you probably know her, Nisha. <laughs> Nisha? Yeah. I, I so, think I, yes, I think I've yeah, heard that. So I've heard she her. does a yes. great job. She just is like, she can read my soul, <laughs> you know? So yes, please <laughs> That's read fantastic. with me. That's what I want. That's great. When you find someone who really gets you and who can really work with you and will not, you know, uh, I, I don't know how to really put a finger on this. 
you know, how to articulate this. People are, are so harsh with their criticism that they might make you a little despondent about what you do. I have seen that happen, you know, with a couple of writer, you know, someone thing to beta reader or an or an editor or both and they end up feeling like they really shouldn't write anymore you know they're maybe like oh gosh maybe i have no talent i don't i'm not good at this because maybe they're a little bit too mean (laughs) (laughs) is that the word yeah it's it's important to to have criticism i think you know it's um certainly my editor will tell me if she doesn't like something but she won't tell me in a way that makes me feel bad um just (laughs) in in an encouraging sort of way say look you know yeah this is not really working for you so perhaps it would be better if you did this without trying to rewrite it um, there's, you know, you have to be very careful when you're you're criticising someone's art because it's it's all subjective, um, exactly. and there's a place for positive criticism, but there isn't a place for negative criticism. I think exactly. Um, and it's I difference. think that's yeah. You hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, it, it's Constructive like criticism yeah. versus negative criticism. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, and I sometimes like negative criticism can come out. They they. They 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 try to word it in a way that it sounds like positive criticism, but it's really mm. not. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's really just sort of passive aggressive. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. those those are the people to avoid. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, any any funny editing stories you want to tell before we wrap this episode up, guys? <laughs> Have you no, any glaring? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. You definitely, you do not want to offend this gem of a lady if you've got somebody that great. Well, I can do nothing but say the most amazing things about Lene. I mean, Lene is fabulous. She really is. And the fact that she is everything, she loves for everything to be perfect and in order and for everything to make sense. And it bugs her when it doesn't. You know, I think those are kind of the marks of a truly wonderful editor. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, so I was looking forward to picking on her a little bit. Why is she not here? <laughs> she's saving it. She's saving the best for last. She must be. She's going to make a dramatic entrance next week and okay. and and fire back about that. I'm sure. <laughs> That's okay, though. Absolutely. Well, uh, this has been really fun, actually. Who knew that we could make editing fun, but we did it. <laughs> so I hope everybody's enjoyed this episode of You, Me, and Ice Tea, and come back next week when we get even deeper into the world of the editor. Thanks for listening to Free Talk with Mr. B. Please remember to subscribe and turn on notifications so you don't miss the next episode.